Okay, let's do this. Um, let's turn to Luke 13. We're going to talk about a passage that we've read before. I want us to take a different angle at it, but I, I need your help on it, really. So I want your, um, we are going to be back and forth um, a little more even than normal today, maybe. Sometimes I say that and then I just talk the whole time. Attempting to let that be true, <laughs> that I do want back and forth. Mandy's face says, yes, you do that, always. Um, so let's, let's just read it together. We're just going to jump right in there, okay? So I'm going to start in verse 31, um, this lament over Jerusalem. Now, real quick though, so where this is in Luke, you don't have to know exactly like where this is in like Jesus' life, except for it's kind of in the middle of Luke, right? Does that make sense? So it's like in the middle of the ministry, right? So let's just shortchange it and say that. Is there, do y'all remember another time where this passage maybe was spoken by Jesus? Do we remember? It's okay if no. I'll read it and then I'll talk about it. Do you remember? Mandy? No? It's okay. Okay, yes, yes-ish. There's a very similar um, like monologue then. Yes, when else? There's another time. And that's why I'm saying it, because it's early on, in the middle, maybe towards what? Maybe towards crucifixion. Okay, there's another example in the Gospels. No, it's okay. There's another example in the Gospels of Jesus um, setting his face like flint towards Jerusalem. We have this Zacchaeus situation, right? Where he goes and Jesus is headed to the cross now. Like this idea of I am on a mission. I am for a purpose only. I will not stop unless it is important and of the purpose. Stops with Zacchaeus, gets to Jerusalem, looks over the city, going to, to die for it, and gives the same monologue kind of, Okay. And so I'm going to read it to us, and then we're going to, we're going to kind of work our way through it, talk about why this is, this is Jesus' response to whatever, okay? At that very hour, some Pharisees came to him and said, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. That sounds really nice of the Pharisees, real quick, by the way. Right after, they're like, you know what? Let's find a way to destroy him. Well, you know what, we may not have to destroy him. Let's just say Herod wants to kill him and get him out of here, right? So they're like, hey, you should go. Herod wants to kill you, right? And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. So we have this strange beginning, and we know now, because, or we may not know, we, we see now that what is Jesus talking about this first day, second day, third day, something's accomplished, what are we likely talking about? What is it? Resurrection, right? And then he says it again, and Jesus is like, actually, I have to go today and tomorrow, and then the next day I'm coming back here to do this. So he's like 
foreshadowing this whole time. Maybe Jesus is already thinking this way. Or maybe Jesus is legit saying, like, no, really, it's, it's going to be like three days, I'll be right back. So it's fine if Herod wants to do that. He can't. It's not time. You know, the whole thing. But more than likely, that's what's going on. And then we get into this familiar passage that everyone is going to be reading today about Lent. And it's this. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, yet you weren't willing. Behold, your house has been forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In this familiar, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, You've stoned the prophets. You've killed those who are sent. All I wanted to do was gather you together like a, like a hen gathers her brood, right? And a lot of times when I talk about this passage, I talk about like the heart of Jesus wanting to gather and like why that's important and why that's a big deal. Why Jesus isn't saying you're in, you're out, right? And instead, rather, it's this inclusive, I want all of this city. I want all of this people. I want all of, of this this world, to just be here with me. Let me mother you. Let me protect you from the rain. Let me protect you from what happens to you in life. Let me just do this with you. Let's be one together, right? And so we talk about that a lot. But, but oftentimes, we don't talk about the reason Jerusalem wasn't willing. And so I just want us to think about it and talk about it. Like, if Jesus came here and said, Church at East, Church at East, how I longed for you. Every day I thought of you. From when you were an infant and before until now, I have just longed to gather you together and do something lovely with me, but you weren't willing. What is the you weren't willing? Why weren't we willing? And so I've some thoughts, but they're really personal, I feel like. Like, I've tried to pray, like, okay, what, why is the church at large in America not willing, right? Why are we not willing? Why is the city of Austin, Texas not willing? Why is Church at East not willing? But I, I, I really want to know what we think. What is, why aren't we willing? So, feel free to answer. And I'll, on this one today, I'll wait. We'll, we'll wait a little minute. Are we? I, I don't know. It feels like your question is assuming that we're not. It is assuming we're not willing. It's assuming we're not willing. Here's why. That's a great, it's a great thought. It's assuming we're not willing because there were 12 that thought they were willing, Right? There were a lot of others that followed until Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're like, ooh, that's weird and a hard teaching. Who can accept it, right? That's after all the bread and fish. And then now, though, we have Jesus looking over the city. There are obviously people that have let him heal them, right? There's people that are healed. There's, there's about to be a family that's going to have someone raised from the dead soon. It's, it's coming real quick. Right? We have all this stuff happening. But overall, Jesus says, 
you weren't willing. Why aren't we? And I think it's important also to wonder if we actually are. And I'm glad you asked that, Rob. But I think the truth of it is, we may think we're more willing than we are. Oh, good question. Is there a gray area? What do we think about that? Who was around Jesus most? Was it people in the gray? Or was it people that were one extreme or the other? It's usually people in the gray. So that's fair. So a lot of times there's people that are like, Peter, who says, I'm going to die with you. Don't worry, I got you. I'm going to cut somebody's ear off, right? <laughs> when Jesus gets, I shouldn't laugh, I guess. When Jesus gets arrested, Peter's like, I'll show you. And can't hit the guy in the face with a sword. He hits him in the ear, cuts his ear right off, apparently. I don't, that's a, just a weird scene anyway. So I'm like, really? You got his ear, man? It's weird. It's like, you know, like if you're going to punch someone, you punch them in the ear. You just miss their face. And so punch, he, he cuts his ear off. Jesus heals it, and he's like, stop this. What are you doing? Live by the sword, die by the sword. Peter later, they're like, were you with him? He's like, no, 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 no. Lots of times, right? So Peter isn't even the extreme, even though he thought he was, right? We have Judas at the table, right? At the Last Supper. Judas is at the table, dipping bread with Jesus into the cup. So yeah, it's a great point. Maybe it's not a you're willing or not willing. Maybe it's this continuum. But Jesus still does say you weren't willing. So why aren't they willing? Let's just not start with us. Let's start with them. Let's just go to them. That's their fault, right? So why weren't the people of Jerusalem ready then for Jesus? Let's go there. Why not? Something's close to Drew's. Yeah. Mm hmm. What did wealth buy that man? Status, comfort, what else? This is important. Power, what else? There's one more big one I think that will touch us. <clears throat> what does wealth give to us? Or give to our children, let's say that. Security. Those four things, I feel like, were, were a huge reason why then the Pharisees, while that one Pharisee, you remember, meets Jesus at night. Right? Meets him at night. He's scared. His status is questioned. His source of income, his power, his authority is questioned, right, by this. So there's, there's lots of reasons here while Jesus knocks a lot of that down. And the rich young ruler is one of the only ones that gets told to his face this, right? He says, Jesus, I like you. I love what you're doing here. I, I really want to be a part of this. What should I do? Which lots of people follow Jesus and don't ask that, by the way. They don't get that far. 
They're just like hangers-on. They love the fish sandwiches. They don't want to be a part of the other things. This one does, though, and Jesus says, go sell everything you have, give it all to the poor, and then follow me. And he can't. He can't. Because of what the wealth did for him. And I think that's a huge one. That's one I have on my list. It's like the, the, the status, the power, the just normalcy of life that wealth gives us, right? There's, let's just be real honest. In our crew here at Church of East, probably from when we've started, hasn't had like wealth, wealth. We, 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 we can like talk about Forbes listers and we can be like, oh, the Bezoses of the world should do better or whatever. And we can, we can do that because we feel like we get that opportunity. But we are incredibly wealthy here. We're incredibly wealthy. And our wealth doesn't maybe give us that, but it gives us other things that keep us normal. It helps us like fit into everywhere we go. It gets us into Contigo before it closed at the right time, right? Almost got us to go, but we didn't reserve in time. And I was super sad I didn't get another Vukere at Contigo, but whatever. But you, it gets us how we can fit in in our culture just right. That's what our wealth does for us. It allows us to have cool experiences, to vacation occasionally. I just talked to John Bulware about going to, um, oh my gosh, sorry, the National Park. Yep, that's where we went. Yep, so I was like, just talking about Yellowstone, because both of us had the funds to go there. It costs money to go there. It costs money to stay at a place with Lil's family. It costs the whole thing. But we could have this discussion, oh, we are of the status to get to vacation. We made it. We get to do that. Right? Our wealth may not give us all the things that like what we say is wealth does, but it gives us a lot. It gives us security that we have a place to stay. It gives us security that we may have something to eat. It gives us security that our kids will have a something, maybe. Right? I mean, in my head... It gives me security that even though when I was growing up, we lived in like this little shack of a trailer, but then now I don't have to. And now my kids, when they see that shack of a trailer, when they've been to my grandmother's land and where I grew up, they're like, you lived in that thing? And that, honestly, I'll tell you, feels like I did that. Honestly. That's what wealth does to us. And we can trick ourselves and say we're not wealthy, but that's a lie. We're wealthy. And wealth sneaks up on us and it makes us say that we earned a thing and it makes us say that we deserve a thing and it makes us say that we're not willing to give it up for anybody because our kids deserve it or I've earned it or whatever else. Jesus says, here's the deal. I had something great to do with you. I had something great to do with your wealth but you weren't willing. Austin, you liked not being in the trailer too much. That is, and that sounds dramatic. That is really how I feel about it, though. It's sharp to me. I don't like that. That's not it. If Jesus says, you and your wife, your two kids, go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Let's do this. Go where I say. Tomorrow, I'll tell you. Maybe. I would say no. I, I just, it would be hard. I wouldn't be willing. 
I don't like that. And in this time when Jesus is on the way to the cross and we're celebrating it, and we're trying to walk with Jesus there, this is the time a lot of us stop walking there. What else? Why else aren't we willing? Yeah. So we prefer to gather on our own terms, you mean? Or? Yeah, like maybe it's easier to teach a class about spiritual practices than to like teach like, you know, five months old. Perfect. Yep. Completely agree. This, this idea of we have something to offer the lessers of the world, we aren't ones that are offered to anymore. We've graduated past that. We, you know, honestly, too, I think about that a lot when we drive up and we park in this neighborhood near halfway houses and folks that are just trying to figure it out and trying to be on the right track. And a lot of times what churches in these areas do are like, oh, man, we should be here. We have a lot to give and to teach them instead of we have a lot to learn from them. We have a lot of community to gain with knowing what they're like. Again, that we all gloss over this idea that Jesus says, go visit the prisoner. We don't do it. We make it like it's this um, prisoner of the heart or of the sin or the whatever. And Jesus is like, no, really. There's people in really terrible jails. Go see them. Give them hope. Give them love. Like, write them a letter. For God's sake, just, just learn the address and send an email. And we can't. We can't. So we don't have time for that. Or, or we have something to offer. We have other business to attend to where we're going to teach people. And we can't have communion with, and I'm, I'm really doing, on the recording, this is finger quotes, we can't have communion with the lesser. And we need to really look and not just be like, oh man, that's sad, Austin, that you are like this. That's awful. We need to look and see, is that who we are? Because it's hard. It, it's hard to be, I don't know. I'll be, let's, let's be overly honest real quick. So, Lily and I went to a park the other day. Um, the other day, like weeks ago, whatever. Near, near some habitat houses that I'm working on even. And we were there. It's great. We, we take the boys to park sometimes. I don't go as often as Lily does with them, but we go to a park. And there's some different families there, right? There's families that look put together. There's families like ours who wish we were put together, but our boys are loud and ridiculous, and so we probably don't look put together. I don't know how we look. It's probably a disaster, right? Who knows? Who knows how we look? Um, and then there's families that don't look put together. And so one family, to be honest, that didn't have the look of put together is there at the park playing with our boys, we're playing with them, we're talking with them, and I'll be honest, it feels real good. It's like, oh man, look, we're meeting people that might need what we have to offer for them. And you get that feeling right away. That sucks. And it's arrogant. It's no good. And so, Lily, in the midst of this, like, knows one of them that is a teacher or an assistant or something, all these things, Wants, finds out I work at Habit, wants to talk about a Habitat house. And then we leave thinking, oh man, look, we might be able to provide something for this 
family, right? Not thinking, what did they have to provide to us because they are whole people without us being at the park. They are wonderful without us being at the park. They're having a wonderful time, a loving experience, all these things at the park. But our experience was, mine was, Lily's probably wasn't, she's much better, but is, is this idea of, oh, I'm glad God sent us to the park to help a person, which is not in itself wrong, other than, like Holly's just saying, it's, it's this arrogance that I'm helping a lesser, right? And, and maybe that's just a thing that's, that's difficult for us to digest in our own heart, depending on the time, depending on the season, depending on the space, whatever, that's fair. The truth of it is, Jesus, I wanted together all of you in the same way, you're all at the same level to me, you weren't willing to be at the same level as other folks maybe. Is that us? Are we willing to be gathered where people better and lesser than us are gathered? That is a tough thing to even think. Because we can all act like, oh no, we don't feel that way. What does our life show? Where do our social Circles show us to be, right? What else? We have time for another one. Yeah. Sorry, I'm late. So you're going to go off. I doubt it. Uh, safety. I think the world has taught us. Uh, I think we have taught each other that there's like a particular idea of safety or security. If mm-hmm. Because, right, what does the hen do to chicks? Right, what does... Right, 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 exactly. And the people are like, no, we don't want that. And my, my best example of this uh, is in college, we have all these people going on mission trips. And without fail, I think every single adult in the room and most of the college kids It's fine. Yeah, and we're averse to risk. And so, what does even safe mean? What are we trying to be safe from? Safe from a short life. Safe from a difficult one, right? Safe from a life that's just hard. That's what, that's what I'm tempted for. I, I mean, I know my sons will live however long they live, right? But I, I want them to stay safe from just difficulty. I don't want someone to hurt their feelings, Right? It's cool. I don't want someone to bully them. I don't want them to bully someone, right? I, w- I want them to be safe from like their inner turmoil. And I just want to do everything I can to keep them safe. And, it's, and, and I think it, you're exactly right on this. Like, what are we attempting to be safe from? And in the midst of that, what are we moving away? What safety are we moving away from? Because they are literally moving away from being like, covered by this kingdom of heaven at hand that's going to do something very risky, right? Very, like, challenging. 
you know, not safe for their life, not safe for like their bodies, right? But safe for their hopes, safe for like what they feel like they got to be a part of and what their life meant. Safe for like <laughs> they would get to live a life that sucked the marrow out of life and all the things, right? All the cheesy things. That's what God was offering. Jesus was offering to them, right? But they wanted something different. Right? No, that's not the safety I choose. I'd really rather have. Yeah. Right? So who's the fox in the story? Herod. Who is Herod at this time? Right. Which, though, how oppressive was it? Pretty? Did they, did they go to their temple? They all have jobs. They couldn't, they couldn't like, say they didn't like the oppression that was happening, Right? They couldn't say, like, no, we don't want our sons to fight in the Roman army, right? They couldn't do those things. But life has been that way for a long time. It's been, that's become status quo. The fox, Herod, or Pilate, or any other Roman proculator, or whatever you want to call it, has been fairly decent to them. That's, like, part of the rule. Part of the rule is to, like, be good to the people, so they're just chill, and we'll just rule them all the time, right? Like give them some things they want, right? But there were people that hated it, and so there, there were um, um, zealots that would go murder. There were, there were in Jesus' like, family, that would happen, right? So there was all these things. But the idea here, I love that, because the play on words is that, yes, there's a fox that wants to change how I'm challenging status quo. And how is Jesus challenging status quo? Is he going about murdering rulers? No. He's offering a subversive way, this kingdom of heaven at hand. The kingdom of heaven really can be that different. Now, that sounds crazy to us because the kingdom of heaven at hand to us doesn't look that different. It just doesn't. Like the way we live doesn't look ridiculous. It looks normal. It looks probably good, right? People I work with at Habitat, when they do find out I'm a pastor, they're like, oh, interesting. And some say, I can see that. And some say, I think you're lying to me, right? <laughs> but it's not so far off. I'm not so dramatically different. They're, they're like, no way. This is the promised king, right? That, 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 that's, that's the deal. And, and yet, the fox wants to kill. Jesus separates and says, no, I want to be the hen, right? I want to gather I want to be a mother. I don't want to be the, the assassin, right? It's that, that juxtaposition is beautiful. Because the mother is obviously very different than that. But if all the chicks want to go against the fox in a different way, or I don't know, it, it's a, 
I, th- I think why that works or why that's interesting is because the kingdom isn't that different to us in our world. We have allowed it to be so safe and so tame and so fine and so like good and good for you offering to give that little bit. You know? Good for you being a part of that nonprofit. Y'all, I hope y'all all come to plant trees on April 2nd. And I'm, I really mean that. And I think it's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be great. But if that's what the kingdom did through Church at East this year, that was the extent, that's just a good for us, man. It's, it's, it's something where we have to hopefully one day say, you know what, Jesus, we don't know how, and it's frightening to us, and it's intimidating to us, and it's going to make us look however, but we honestly are willing to be gathered by you in whatever way you choose. If that means we look normal in a city like Austin, Texas, we'll submit to that. If it means we move to Nepal and live in the mountains, we'll submit to that. If it means we'll be the weirdos that make terrible financial decisions for the sake of anyone else around us, we'll submit to that. It may mean that we say, you know what, my other social obligations, I just need to know someone in prison for God's sake, just one time. And just, I need to just go every Tuesday and, or every Monday and not go to my Monday Night Football Club. Maybe that's it. I'm willing. And just be willing but we're just not. We're just not willing. And so what I want us to do in this time of Lent, in this time of like trying to align our life with the one that's headed to the cross, let's just not even decide. I've heard a lot of this like, decide you're willing. How? How am I going to just conjure that up? I'm, I'm 38 years old. I've been living this way for a long time. I have a lot of Again, not wealthy, but I got a lot of wealth to give up. Jesus came today and said, it's either this or this. What are you doing? I'm worried I'd be the rich young ruler. But I want to be willing, right? I do. I mean it. I really want to be willing. And so I think we pray today together, Jesus, we just please help us be willing. Make us want to be willing. Can you just give us that? Can we just not forget in 20 minutes when we're eating pizza that we were willing for a minute? Like maybe we pray that together. So let's stand together, and I invite you to it. Don't, if you don't mean it, obviously. We're not, no one's going to send you a card and be like, did you pray to be willing? Whatever. But I've done those as well, I'm saying it. <laughs> I didn't give the card, I signed it. So let's pray together. And we're going to... Um, in our time of communion, Drew's going to come up wrapped around him praying and, and going to lead us in communion. Lord, we admit to you, confess to you, whatever word you want us to use, oftentimes we are absolutely not willing to be gathered by you for your purposes, for your sake, for your people. 
We desire safety. We desire our power, our authority, our privilege, our standing. We want to be the teachers of people rather than the ones being taught, maybe. We love our wealth. And sometimes we just want to fight against the fox like a fox. We want to fight against power with ugliness. We want to fight with words that damn and fists that strike, like your word says in Isaiah. But we don't want to be those people anymore. We just don't honestly have it in us to say that we're willing. I don't. But I want to so much. So we ask you, please cure our unbelief. Help us to be people who are willing to be gathered by you for your purposes. Help us to be people that if you came to us and said, give everything away, that we would gladly rejoice because finally we heard from you. People that would pray for healing unafraid of what it would mean if someone wasn't. People that just want to be one with you and the kingdom that's happening all around us. In Jesus' name.